0: The power of praise. From time to time, couples come to see me before their wedding. And sometimes they ask me whether I have any advice to give them as to how to make their marriage strong. In reply, I give them a simple suggestion. It is almost magical in its effects. It will make their relationship strong. And in other unexpected ways, it will transform their lives. They have to commit themselves to the following ritual. Once a day, usually at the end of the day, they must each praise the other for something the other has done that day, no matter how small. An act, a word, a gesture that was kind or sensitive or generous or thoughtful. And the praise must be focused on that one act, not generalized. It must be genuine. It must come from the heart. And the other must learn to accept the praise. That's all they have to do. It takes at most a minute or two, but it has to be done not sometimes, but every single day. I learned this in a most unexpected way. I've written before about the late Lena Rustin, one of the most remarkable people I've ever met. She was a speech therapist, specializing in helping stammering children. She founded the Michael Palin Centre for Stammering in London, and she had a unique approach to her work. Most speech therapists focus on speaking and breathing techniques and on the individual child. The ones she worked with were usually about five years old. Lena did more. She focused on relationships and worked with parents, not just children. Her view was that to cure a stammer, she had to do more than help the child to speak fluently. She had to change the entire family environment. Families tend to create an equilibrium. If a child stammers, everyone in the family adjusts to it. Therefore, if the child is to lose its stammer, all the relationships within the family will have to be renegotiated. Not only must the child change, so must everyone else. But change at that basic level is hard. We tend to settle into patterns of behaviour until they become comfortable like a well-worn armchair. How do you create an atmosphere within a family that encourages change and makes it unthreatening? The answer Lena discovered was praise. She told the families with which she was working that every day they must catch each member of the family doing something right and say so, specifically, positively and sincerely. Every member of the family, but especially the parents, had to learn to give and receive praise. Watching her at work, I began to realise that she was creating within each home An atmosphere of mutual respect and continuous positive reinforcement. She believed that this would generate self-confidence, not just for the stammering child, but for all the members of the family. The result would be an environment in which people felt safe to change and to help others do so likewise. I filmed Lena's work. ...for a documentary I made for BBC television on the state of the family in Britain. I also interviewed some of the parents whose children she had worked with. When I asked them whether Lena had helped their child... ...not only did each of them say yes, but they went on to say that she had helped save their marriage. Now this was extraordinary. She wasn't a marriage guidance counsellor, she was a speech therapist... Yet so powerful was this one simple ritual that it had massive beneficial side effects, one of which was to transform the relationship between husbands and wives. I mention this for two reasons, one obvious and the other less so. The obvious reason is that the sages were puzzled about the major theme of Tazriya Matsura, the skin disease known as Tsarat. Why, they wondered, should the Torah focus at such length on such a condition? After all, the Torah isn't a book of medicine. It's a book of law and morality and spirituality. And the answer the rabbis gave was that terat was a punishment for lashon hara, evil speech, hateful, derogatory, speaking about people. They cited the case of Miriam, who spoke negatively, about our brother Moses and was struck by Tzarat for seven days. They also pointed out an incident when at the burning bush Moses spoke negatively about the Israelites and his hand was briefly affected by Tzarat. The sages spoke dramatically about how serious Lashon Hara is, bad speech. They said more about it than any other offence, I mean more gravely about it than any other offence. They said that evil speech is as bad as committing all three cardinal sins, idolatry, incest and murder. They said it kills three people, the one who says it, the one he says it about, and the one who listens to it. And in connection with Tazria Metzora, they said that the punishment fitted the sin one who speaks lush and horror creates dissension within the camp therefore his punishment is to be temporarily banished from the camp so far so clear don't gossip don't slander don't speak badly about people Judaism has a rigorous and detailed ethic of speech because it believes, as the book of Proverbs says, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Judaism is a religion of the ear more than the eye, of words rather than images. God created the natural world with words and we create or damage the social world. With words. We don't say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. To the contrary, words can cause emotional injuries that are just as painful as physical ones, perhaps even more so. So, Lena Rustin's rule of praise is the opposite of Lashon Hora. It is Lashon Hatov, it is good, positive, encouraging speech. And according to Maimonides, speaking in praise of people is part of the command of loving your neighbor as yourself. So thus far, straightforward. But at a deeper level, there is actually a reason why it is hard to cure people of Lashon Hara. And harder still to cure them of gossip in general. The American sociologist Samuel Heilman wrote an incisive book called Synagogue Life about a modern orthodox congregation of which for some years he was a member. He devotes an entire lengthy chapter to synagogue gossip. Giving and receiving gossip, he says, is more or less constitutive of being part of the community. Not gossiping defines you as an outsider. Gossip, he says, is part of a tight system of obligatory exchange. The person who scorns gossip completely, declining either to give or receive it, is at the very least risks stigmatization and at the worst, in his words, excludes himself from a central activity of collective life and sociability. In short, gossip is the lifeblood of community. Now, not only Heilman, but probably every single member of the community knew full well that gossip is biblically forbidden. Lot Telech don't go around gossiping. And negative speech, Lashon Hara, is among the gravest of all sins. So they all knew it was forbidden. They also knew the damage caused by somebody who gives more gossip than he or she receives. That They call in Yiddish a yenta. Yet despite this, argued Heilman, the shul was in no small measure a system for the creation and distribution of gossip. Now, Synagogue Life was published in 1976, 20 years before Oxford anthropologist Robin Dunbar's famous book called Grooming, Gossip and the Evolution of Language. Dunbar's argument is that in nature... Groups are held together by devoting a considerable amount of time to building relationships and alliances. Non-human primates do this by grooming, by stroking and cleaning one another's skin. Hence the expression, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But this is very time-consuming. You can only do it to one at a time and it puts a limit on the size of the group. Humans, says Dunbar, developed language as a more effective means of grooming. You can only stroke one animal at a time, but you can talk to several human beings at a time. And the specific form of language that bonds a group together, says Dunbar, is gossip, because this is the way members of the group can learn who to trust and who not to. So gossip is not just one form of speech among others. According to Dunbar, it is the most primal of all uses of speech. It is why humans develop language in the first place. Heilman's account of synagogue life fits perfectly into this pattern. Gossip creates community, and community is impossible without gossip. If so... It explains why the prohibitions against gossip and Loshen Hara are so often honored in the breach, not the observance. So common is lashon Hara that one of the giants of modern Jewry, Rabbi Yisrael Meir HaKohen, the Chofetz Chaim, devoted much of his life to combating it. Yet it persists, as anyone who has ever been part of any human group knows from personal experience. You know it's wrong, and yet you and others do it anyway. That is why I found Lena Rustin's work to have such profound spiritual implications. Her work had nothing to do with gossip, but without intending to, she had discovered one of the most powerful antidotes to lash and horror ever invented. She taught people to develop the habit of speaking well of one another. She taught them to praise daily, specifically and sincerely. Anyone who uses Lena's technique for a prolonged period will be cured of and Hara. It is the most effective antidote I know. And what is more, her technique transforms relationships and it saves marriages. It heals what and Hara harms. Evil speech destroys relationships. Good speech mends them. This works not only in marriages and families, but also in communities, organizations, and businesses. So, in any relationship that matters to you, deliver praise daily. Seeing and praising the good in people makes them better people, it makes you a better person, and it strengthens the bond between you. This really is a life-changing idea. Shabbat Shalom.